If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. This episode of Outlander Cast is brought to you by Caswell Massey, America's original beauty and fragrance company established in Newport, Rhode Island in 1752. All Caswell Massey products are proudly made in the U.S. Hi, everyone. This is Peg from Scottsdale, Arizona, and you're listening to Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. I'm really loving that music. I really, really am. Well, welcome back, everybody. My name's Mary Larson. My name's Blake, and uh, I think I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for uh, the first listener feedback episode of this brand Me new too. season. I, man, I am surprised. A lot of people got in contact with us, and it was very difficult to figure out who and what to include. But you know, we did the best that we could, and we're we're tr- we're trying here. We're we're doing the best that we can. But I, I, the one thing I can take out of all of this is that everybody is happy that Outlander is back. Whether or not you loved this episode like we did, or you thought it was a three and a half or three point eight, or you know, I had some people dropping twos on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody is happy about the fact that Outlander is back, and. I think I think I'm with you on that one. I think I'm with you on that one. So what do you think, Mavi? I think we should uh, hit the button, start the music, and get this uh, bad boy revved up. Well, before we do, we of course want to let you know that you can follow and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all with the title Outlander Cast. And if you want to become an official member of the Outlander Cast Clan, you can do that at OutlanderCastClan.com, where you can get great benefits and extras this season, like the extra off-air, after-dark podcast episodes. Oh, access- you got to say it right. After Doc. After Doc. <laughs> Access to special Outlander cast giveaways, which you hear more about at the end of this episode, free swag, and much, much more. We got some great feedback right on the website, outlandercast.com. Jenny wrote in saying Claire was ambivalent about Marsley's pregnancy because she and Marsley had just had that conversation about birth control when Marsley and Fergus <laughs> Fergus were uh, wed, remember? Oh, Marsley yes, told yes. Claire she wasn't ready for a baby in the boat. And I got a lot of feedback like this from many of you saying, hey, what was it, like four months ago? Marsley was like, I don't want a baby. And Claire was like, well, I'll tell you how not to make a baby. So they were agreeing that that little side eye was um, was for sure. Claire being like, oh, 
guess he didn't listen. Uh, right, right. Charlotte Max chimes in, says, welcome back. Nice to hear the podcast again. Thank you. Thank it's you, Charlotte. good to be back. Just, however, a few notes about some things that you questioned in this episode, Charlotte uh, says. The Stone Age standing stone builders didn't come across as a rehashed me, but rather as foreshadowing of someone Claire will... In quotes, meet. Mary will know who I mean. And regarding Claire's odd expression when Marsley announces her pregnancy, I think perhaps you forgot that Marsley asked Claire for birth control advice, saying she didn't want to have a baby right away in Voyager. A lot of people called this out on this one. <laughs> a lot of people. And the land grant offer made to Jamie doesn't come from a British officer, despite his outfit. That's North Carolina William uh, Governor William Tyron, or Tyron, uh, an actual historical figure, mm-hmm. one of uh, many more to come. And as a history geek, that's one of my favorite parts of DG's books. And yes, and actually, his arrival is what sparks uh, the regulators. And I think what we could do, if you guys would like, is we could actually have a separate history podcast just about the regulators if you'd like to get a firm hold on who they are but that's if everybody wants to do that i don't know i'm a history geek linda hyde writes and this is going to be my first kill reading in gbg i'm excited to be doing it let's get a little yay first time i've already rewatched several times so i think i will rate this based on the number of parts i fast forward on to rewatch so this episode has to have five kilts because i want to watch every minute of it again and again linda's good was john bell i wasn't totally on board with this casting but he just knocked it out of the park his scene at the graveyard and sassy comments around the table have me convinced he will be awesome going forward linda is bad. I'm going to go on a limb here and say I don't like the opening Skyboat song. Wow. This is the first time I haven't liked Bear's Choice. This version came across as really slow and plotty. Maybe if they sped it up a bit, it would sound better. And Linda's great was Book Jamie is here at last. I'm not a book purist, and I don't mind the changes to the story. Many of them even make sense. Indeed, I really love the show. It's just that there have always been something missing for me. When the series first came out, I heard Ron say his focus was to make Frank worthy enough so that Claire would want to return to him. Diana's focus was the opposite. She made Jamie worthy enough for Claire to stay. I think Ron's thinking, uh, I get Ron's thinking, but in my opinion, Ron's focus came at the expense of Diana's. You can't have it both ways. Yes, there have been moments to prove my premise wrong, but overall on the show, I have had a hard time seeing the intense love and unbreakable bond Jamie and Claire have the way I did in the book until this episode. Jamie is not perfect, and I don't want him to dominate. This was always an equal partnership, with each bringing different talents to make them one. The moment when Jamie gave Claire the medicine chest and knelt beside her with a look of absolute love written all over his face, I had to yell, yes! It truly makes me cry, all the feels. Then I looked back through the episode at all of the tender moments with Claire, the conversations, his moments with Hayes, the dad moment with Ian, sitting around the table leading the family meetings, his meeting with Tyrion. Oops. Tyrion. It's Tyrion. It's fine. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Oh, my God. I'm Ron Burgundy? Yeah. I'm trying. Like I'm like, it I'm was like, written trying. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, you know, this is what happens when you, you're Mary Larson. Anyway, all of these were Jamie that Diana created. It was beautiful to watch. It's why I love this story so much. The trailers give me great hope that they will continue to build on this, and I'm ecstatic to see the rest of the season unfold. It shows you how out of practice I am with the I Ron know. Burgundy. You're I, like, I, oh, Mary's speaking funny? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, think, uh, I think I deserve uh, the... 
for, for that because I screwed it up. It's okay. Anyway. I got you, boo. Uh, this one comes from Adrienne. Uh, she says, uh, glad to have you both and the show back. Thank you very much. The good was Claire and Jamie's convo after the dinner with Claire and the gorgeous stockings. Hashtag want. The round table scene with Fergus, Marsley, and Ian. Also, everyone else was already explained that was going on with Claire there. So how did you forget that, Mary? How did you? And, um and Ian and Rollo. But the bad, I was never really bothered by the hair as much as people have been before, but yeah, those bangs were a very strange choice. Also, don't shoot me, but the sex scene, it bored me. It was less of a moment that was driving the plot forward and more of a, well, we have to please the fans by putting a sex scene in, so yeah, that was that kind of thing. Next. Uh, The great, though, was that ending. Wow, just wow. And Ed Spilliers is, well, we were corrected on this one, too. So we we both deserve this. Ed Spilliers as Stephen Bonnet. I always thought that Bonnet was a rather one-dimensional and uninteresting villain in the books. Same with uh, Black Jack Ren. Why do I always say his name wrong? The poor thing. Sorry, not sorry, Diana. I'm sorry, Ed. But this portrayal made me sit up and take notice. And I think I'm going to enjoy slash hate this ride. Way to go, Mr. Spoliers. And by the way, his name is Spoliers, not Spielers. It's pronounced Spoliers with the emphasis on the second syllable. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Why am I even a podcaster? You know, I'm terrible as well. I normally am very picky. Very, very, very picky about how things are spelled and pronounced. Spoliers. And I I had read it as it was Spielers originally and I've seen that spelling Spielers. However, I... Spoliers. We, you know, we both deserve it. It is what it is. It's Spoliers. That is what it is. All right, on Facebook, Lara Luttrick says she disagrees about the topic of the Native Americans being clunky. I thought it was brought up as a natural conclusion of that conversation. Laura McCurdy Dunn has asked that we retire the word rumpy pumpy. Oh, I don't know about that. Nails on a chalkboard. You know what? We may have to have a little Facebook poll in the Outlander Cast Clan gathering. (laughs) That's a good idea. Should we retire the rumpy pumpy? Should it be just gone? I, I. I'm not sure if I'm willing to let that go quite yet. Michelle uh, Melville says, um, after watching, uh, I was left annoyed because it felt so different from past episodes. But upon the second watching, I realized that the wonderful character moments are still there and I can appreciate the irony of the last scene. But what is bothering me the most is the lack of natural lighting throughout the entire episode. In all of the other episodes, the characters were allowed to be in the shadows or bathed by firelight and everything was so Right in episode 401. And, you know, I think that's a valid criticism. And, you know, part of, I think, the reasoning here, well, not the reasoning, but part of the affect of the green screens is that when green screens are used, it always feels very flat. And when things are flat, that means they're overlit. And it's usually flat because the green screen has to accommodate for lighting that isn't actually there. It's just creating lighting. It's magic. And no matter how much lighting you have on the people or whatever, your eye can never reconcile the flat light from the real light that it's actually on the actors. That's why when you watch uh, like the Avengers films, whenever if it's like uh, Black Panther or uh, the latest Avengers or Iron Man, 
all of the lighting, they're all like very similar and they're all relatively bright and flat because of all the CGI and all of the green screens. And, you know, it's also an artistic choice that Marvel has made, but that's that's how it goes. That's what it is. Donna Antimarinian wrote in that the woman that made comments about Claire's dress was a tie to when Claire said to Jamie, do I look like mutton dressed as lamb? Now, Donna had no idea what that meant, but apparently Google does. So Google says it's a saying used in the UK to indicate that the woman is dressed in a style which is suitable only for a younger woman. Oh. You know, so basically, Claire was asking Jamie, do I look like I'm the 20-year-old going to the club right now? <laughs> or do I look like the 40-year-old going to the club? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, well, what was that movie? Um, uh, Knocked Up, <laughs> when, when they, they all go to the club and she calls the guy a doorman. She's like, well, just because I'm old, you can't come into the club, doorman. You know, oh, never mind. Fine. Sorry, haven't fine. seen it in a long time. That uh, was funny. Uh, Charlene Garside says, I love the podcast discussion about how the old season one of Outlander is not lost, but changed. Thank you very much. Because the change continues to make me sad. I fell in love with Outlander when it was Castles and Candlelight and Angus and Rupert. And as the series evolves, I get a little bit more uncomfortable. But now I will just tell myself that it's only change, Sassanak. And as an aside, can we... Please spell Ed's last name correctly. It's spelled and pronounced Spaliers. Sorry, I'll let myself out now. (laughs) I appreciate you. I get it. And, you know, I will say, too, that the series feels very different. Um, It feels, it doesn't feel as comfortable as that first season was. There was something very, very unique about the first season of Outlander. Mm -hmm. And I think it's probably because... You know, even though we've seen things like Game of Thrones or The Tudors or or even uh, shows like Rome, um, it just felt unique to that setting. It was the castles, it was the candlelight, it was the Scottish accents, it was the kilts, it was the 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 hats and the horses and the uh, the actors that were involved. And the you're right, the special relationship between uh, Angus and Rupert mm-hmm. and, and Jamie and, and that whole group. It's funny because all of that is gone now. Like, I mean, all those characters are gone. And we're not in Scotland anymore. Correct. Well, kind of are. I mean, well, pretend, I mean, in reality, we're in Scotland, but in the, in green screen land, we're we're in North Carolina. Um, do you feel the same way, my darling? Do you feel like uh, uncomfortable with the new season, or do no. you just look at look at it with affection and and we can move? I'm on? in a brand. I'm, I'm braving the new world, guys. I am braving the new world together. <laughs> Diane Redfern says, "Hey." She just wants to let us know that this was the first time that she was listening to the podcast. And, by the way, loves it. And I put this in here because we always like to include the new listeners. That's another one in the bank. Cuppers? I don't know how to say that word. Coopers, maybe? Coopers, maybe. Yeah. That would, uh, let's see, the music start at the end of the scene into the credits. It felt strange to not hear anything at all but the music. So Samantha's saying the Ray Charles music at the end, not having any of the voices, not having any of the discussion. Right. Uh, it was was odd for her. She would have preferred I, some of the words. Yeah, over. and I think she's saying that the, the music should start at the end of the scene and go into the credits. and the, But she would want all of the conversation, all the words, all the action sounds. You know, I think that's a, a, a reasonable choice. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair choice. But... I think I like it better the way that it was. I felt that it was more emotionally affecting than just hearing the normal sounds of people struggling or people fighting or whatever. I think this was the the right choice. 
Laura Katzman says, I had a niggling fear that Hayes being hanged was going to be replaced by- a what kind of fear? A niggling? Is that supposed to be nagging? I don't think so. Niggling. It says- A niggling fear. Either way. I'm Ron Burgundy? Uh, she was- f- No, niggling is- Oh, what, what, what is the definition of niggling? Well, it says a niggling injury or worry is small, but bothers you over a long period of time. There you go. So it, this is a small fear, but it bothers. There you go. It, we learn something new every day. The verb is niggle. The- <laughs> tell, tell me uh, what that is. Please. Niggle. Verb. And it says definition of niggle. Trifle. To spend too much effort on minor details. To find fault constantly in a petty way or to gnaw <laughs> guys use the word niggle today if like you've got a little hunger pain you could say oh i've got this niggling hunger pain <laughs> or if you've got that coworker that you're like oh, she just doesn't stop like biting her nails or whatever that- it's a niggling hate yeah you're welcome the more you know <laughs> <laughs> So, what is niggling, Laura? <laughs> You're welcome, guys. You're welcome. Oh, man. That was good. <sighs> You're welcome. Oh, man. Okay. Laura Katzman says that she has a niggling, had a niggling fear that Hayes was being hanged was going to be replaced by Murta. She was super happy that it wasn't. Tell Mary to go get her grumpf whistle when ready, ready to call. I remember that? You, you kept on saying grumpf for, for, for <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Can't wait. Oh, All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor. So, of course, this episode of Outlander Cast is brought to you by Castle Massey. It's America's original. Yeah. Original, original, the OG beauty <laughs> and fragrance company established in Newport, Rhode Island, our state. Yes. In 1752, all Castle Massey products are proudly made in the United States. Castle Massey products are free of parabens, sulfates, and artificial additives. And guess what? They're never tested on animals. Not only do they smell really good, but Castle Massey fragrances are eco-friendly and produced using... Get ready. Solar power. Solar power. It's really easy to get behind their products, as you can see, why we're like super excited about them. For example, the Supernatural number six. That that we I've been talking about. Oh, the yeah. one that I absolutely love and it's the one that Mary's so been good. raving about. So good. It's made of 85% natural oils, and the sandalwood fragrance is made from sustainability sustainably sourced Australian sandalwood. So all you Aussies listen to this episode, know that you're getting <laughs> a shout out. We know you're out there too. And guess what? What? We're giving both of them away. That's right. If you've been having a niggling feeling that you (laughs) wish to, you could smell as good as Blake wearing the Supernatural number six or some sandalwood. Or George Washington. Say goodbye, niggle. We're ready. (laughs) To learn more about Castle Massey's commitment to environmental sustainability and for 20% off your order, visit CaswellMassey.com. Use the promo code OutlanderCast at checkout. Once again, that's the promo code OutlanderCast for 20% off your order and keep up with all their products, additional promotions, their partnerships, you can follow them at Caswell Massey. That's right. And if you want to participate in the giveaways, go to Outlander Cast Clan giveaway for the Sandalwood and all of the members at OutlanderCastClan.com can get an entry into uh, for the $225 valued number six fragrance. So I I just want to say that too. These are fantastic giveaways. All right, the emails. This one comes from Meredith. 
My GBG for episode one is as follows. The good was Stephen Bonnet. I think he is a formidable foe because he has no allegiance to either Jamie or Claire. Blackjack Rendell at least kept his word in freeing Claire from Wentworth Prison in exchange for Jamie's body. He could have simply taken her out of the hearing range and locked her away, but he actually let her out. Galus at least had enough decency to save Claire from the witch trial, but Stephen Bonnet will never make a bargain without intending to break it. He's nasty. And in some way, that makes him more dangerous than either Galus or Blackjack, at least potentially. And hold on, I just want to stop here. There's one thing I do want to mention. Okay. Stephen Bonnet does make a moral choice. He does choose to not kill Jamie and Claire. So I think there is something there. But I, on the whole, agree with Meredith so far, except for the fact that Bonnet did make a moral choice. However, Leslie, we don't need you. Bye. Yeah, goodbye. (laughs) Wish Teddy when I need her. Uh, My bad is the musical choices made by the series. I don't care for the new arrangement of the theme song. Wow, it's the second one. And I don't think it was quite right to put the Ray Charles America the Beautiful in. I don't want them to stop blending in modern music with the 1700s, but during the attack seemed weirdly inappropriate. And my great is twofold. Jamie's gift to Claire in the form of of a doctor's bag that he knew would mean so much to her. And my other great is Jamie's talk with Ian over their common experience. And since there's no therapist available, at least Jamie, Fergus and Ian can at least have a support group. Hashtag all the copays. All the copays. Ian and Jamie need every single copay or will spend every single copay there ever was. Guys, we know. <laughs> I trust me. I spend more more copays than I care to admit. <laughs> Evergreen Davis says there's been so much discussion in regarding the ring switch. What was lost in the boat was portrayed beautifully and sorrowfully in Katrina Bow's performance. That was a gut wrenching, ugly cry in the episode of Ugly and the history of Ugly Cries. I totally agree. <laughs> Did you feel it in the pit of your stomach? It was losing faith all over again. Ooh, Fans close. keep bringing up, why would Bonnet take Jamie's pewter ring since it has no value? I disagree. It may not have a monetary value, but it holds value to Claire. Midway through the episode, Bonnet says that he always wanted a ring. He did not comment on the fact that he wanted a gold one. Bonnet says, why do you wear two rings? And Claire says, I was married twice. She's saying so much by not going into detail. She doesn't trash Frank. She holds value in both relationships and Bonnet sees that. Oh, that's great. And he takes it. That is awesome. By wearing both rings, she is conveying that both of these relationships are a part of her. The rings are yin and yang for Claire. The yin, for all of Frank's imperfections, his ring represents her life with Bree. It represents the years she had endured without Jamie. It represents what was once was and what was lost between her and Frank. It is the safety that was Frank. It is Bree if she ever has to return. Jamie's yang, his ring, represents the years without Frank. It represents the choice she had to make to marry Jamie. It represents Lollybrock. It represents the love that grew for Jamie. It represents that what that one was and what was lost and found again between her and Jamie. It represents her new life with Jamie and without Brie. When she came back to him, she said, I never took it off. She, she was saying, you were always part of me. The key to Lollybrock, the key to Jamie, the key to home. Bonnet wanted both of those rings because it represents what he will never have. I've always wanted a ring. I've always wanted to love somebody. I've always wanted someone to love me. Finally, I know the producers are trying to show the irony in calling this episode America the Beautiful. Sorry, the Ray Charles version just fell out of place. But for all of the talk of rings and circles, it could have been titled May the Circle Be Unbroken and maybe an instrumental version of that song. Evergreen. Whoa. 
excellent right. stuff with the rings right. and what they represent and even calling out what Stephen Bonnet wanted to take from Claire specifically. Mm-hmm. So I, in, in, all, in all honesty, I, I have to give you this. Excellent, excellent, excellent. This one comes from Cassie. I'm sorry, Casey. She says, 3.5 kilts. How could it possibly live up to the hype and waiting through Droughtlander? The good. A lot of folks are saying this, but I'm liking Ed Spilliers and as as Stephen Bonnet. But my husband thought his storyline was a bit predictable, but interesting foreshadowing. The bad Mm. was choppy for the book readers. Was it for the show watchers, too? Were you able to fill in the blanks? My girls had a similar reaction to the first Harry Potter film, which they watched for the first time this weekend. There's a lot to fit in a two-hour film or 13-episode show. Blake, you mentioned how this episode was allowed to breathe. There were some lovely moments, but overall it felt a little disjointed. How come the lead-up... How about some lead-up to the sex scene? It seemed to be there just for the sake of having a sex scene. Claire and Jamie... Casey, thermodynamics. <laughs> just kidding. I think I'm going to make a shirt that says talk thermodynamics to me. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Claire and Jamie finally get a moment to themselves after a crazy journey through season, through season three and up the coast with their band of family and friends. But the great was Jamie giving mm-hmm. Claire the medicine box. Um... The general comments that she has for this are, is, where is Duncan? I don't know who Duncan is. I don't know. Uh, the ring and the circle theme was a bit heavy-handed, but did tie the show together. I thought that we had jumped into Westworld when the piano started playing before the attack. Mm. I didn't love the song over the action, but I get why they did it. And I would love to have some more reaction to Ian's acquisition of Rollo. That's going to be a great relationship to watch. My favorite lines from the book did not have as much impact. I think they included the law of thermodynamics for the fans. And I love when Jamie tells Claire that he can hear her thinking across the room. Yes. <laughs> yes, I would. I like that line too. And I was surprised that they had Jamie and Claire decide to settle in North Carolina for the first episode. But that establishes the principal location for the season. On to River Run. You know, I um, I she asked, you know, if I thought it was allowed to breathe. Like I said, yes, it was allowed to breathe, in my opinion. And I think there was a pretty good lead up to the sex scene. Also, I I think it was reasonable. Uh, I don't know. I didn't I didn't feel like it was disjointed. The only thing that felt a little disjointed to me was the whole dinner scene. Like they went to dinner, and they had this meeting with this guy all and, the bubbies and it just came out and i felt like that came out of nowhere and it, like it wasn't like why were they there like i know they had to sell the jewel and i get that but like yeah. how do they get the in to do that how do they figure that out right like how are they they're just two jabronis that came over from scotland they ended up on the freaking shores of georgia they like walked having to north carolina and all of a sudden they haven't dinner with the governor like what are we talking about you know this is jamie this is jamie that's what Jamie does. Is he just like he that good He has dinner looking? with important people every season. <laughs> All the dinner. Valerie wrote in saying, hi, I'm a new listener. This is my first season watching as the episodes air. I've read all the books. I think Claire is ambivalent about Marsley being pregnant because Marsley asked her to help her not get pregnant. She didn't want children yet. So Claire's probably wondering if Marsley took her advice. Mm. I liked this episode so much. I love these characters, but it really bothers me that they are switching the rings. I think us book lovers are going to see more divergence from the books this season. I'm going to have to come to peace with that. I so, agree. So the, the in the book, he takes... Frank's ring? Correct. Okay, and, and she's and left with in, Jamie's ring. And, and there's an inscription in the gold ring, so oh, that's okay. special, you know what I mean? Like, no matter what, 
It needs to be a noticeable ring, yep. um, not just a regular gold band, but the showrunners and everybody has decided that visually on screen, mm-hmm. Jamie's ring would look a little more distinct. Sure. I, I would agree. And this one comes from Terry. She says, what does nod me, oh, nod at me, or, or it could be niggling, if you will. Hey, you know. I first stumbled into the series and then the books, and it is this. How easily Claire has accepted the clothing and the foods of the day. Would a modern-ish woman, even in the male-dominated 1940s, have done so this easily? Without much protest? Wearing that donut around the waist to make my butt look bigger? I'd like a badonk. Or or nibbling and fried baby birds? (laughs) Trying to put myself in Claire's shoes and have decided that I've been beaten the very first week due to my insolence. I am not challenging Diana's wonderful story or beautiful prose. I guess that I'm saying Diana picked the right protagonist. Has this ever been addressed? I'm new to oh, the group. so you know Terry. Well, well hold, hold on. Okay. She's new to the group. Well, Hello, welcome. remember that Claire, I don't know, um, let's see, some of the series and then the books. Oh, so so Claire was raised with her Uncle Lamb. Like yeah, cooking over yeah. fires, yeah. you know, just living living a crazy life. So if you recall back in uh back when she went back in time, she was pregnant, she ended up in Boston. She actually ended up cooking dinner over the fire mm-hmm. and her neighbor comes on over and she's like, Wow, how do you do that? She learned a lot of this and probably ate not only different foods, like mm-hmm. different styled foods, but like different foods traveling around the world. So her palate is probably very, very different. And I think that that is one of the ways that she has been able to adjust her people to adjust. All right. The next comments come from the Outlander cast clan.com. Virginia Barter says, when Bonnet screamed at Claire, reminded me of BJR yelling, do it mm. to Jamie when he rescued Claire from the tower. The face change and everything. That scene is, especially with that music instead of dialogue, it is genius. Yes. And the conversation before lovemaking, which made me cry. The lovemaking was beautiful and the eye contact, oh my God, it was all so lovely. Oh, just fangirling. It's so funny because what I love about the listener feedback episode is you get to hear the complete contrast. Some people loved the lovemaking. Some people didn't. Some people loved Ray Charles. Some people didn't. It's it's really fun. Mm -hmm. I just it's fun to hear everyone's feedback. That's why I love this episode. Me too. too. Lynn Henderson said um, to comment on Blake's question. I think I heard that Matt and Tony decided while writing the episode to use the song. So while they were writing it, Mm -hmm. they reviewed a couple of versions before deciding on Ray Charles. However, I'm not sure if they decided to cut the sound out at that point. Although, Kat did say that she was not aware of the decision when they filmed. She made a joke about all of her hard work in that scene being lost. (laughs) I hope that for the Blu-ray releases, they will include the full version, as I would be interested in seeing that. But I think it's more powerful without the dialogue. Absolutely more powerful without the dialogue. In your opinion, Blake. Well, I mean... Hey, it is saying. what it is. Allison Indaburu says, oh, it's great to be back. I'm so happy to writing the, be writing the GBG. Yay. First of all, this episode gets a mighty fine 4.8 kilts from me. It was overall wonderful. The intro with the stone circle confused me for just a hot second, but then I got the picture. It wasn't my favorite opening, but with the three beat of the rings echoed throughout the episode, I like it much more upon further viewings. So the good was the graveyard scene with Ian and Jamie. I think it would have been a really big detriment to the show overall for them to just whistle past what happened in totally Ian in the agree. last season. I, oh, We are on board. Uh, for him to have a realistic traumatic reaction to his abuse speaks volumes about what we did not see and brings truth to it. For him to confide in his uncle, who he now knows has also experienced something similar 
gives him a source of comfort and camaraderie that is so important for healing and moving forward. Thank you for Diana for fighting to keep this in Brava. My bad was the second look at Gavin's dead face. Yeah. Once was horrible enough. Two was just punishment. I hate hung face look. I Ugh. liked it. I really liked it. You know yeah. why I liked it? Because it showed his eyes. Yeah, that was the gross part. Oh, I thought that was fantastic. I could have done another shot with his feet. <laughs> no, I liked the eyes. The eyes was great. The great uh, the great for her was a twofer. She adores the new version of the Skyboat song. Oh my god, I cannot hear it without tearing up. Seriously, just writing about it is getting me all misty-eyed. I have a very strong emotional reaction to music and this version is kicking my butt with all the feels. Mary, hashtag all the feels. Right. The other great of course is the end scene oh lordy they knocked it out of the pack for me it would have been great if they had just played the scene by itself as it was filmed but the beauty and the hot swelling pride in the song overplaying the violence and the tragedy of the scene oh it just killed me i particularly highlight cat's performance good god the grief shock the heartbreak she portrays in a single in a simply magnificent and when she popped with those rings in her mouth, I oh about had gosh. a heart attack, that was fearing, the best. <laughs> fearing what Bonnet would do. Oh. Uh, he's a villain that needs killing. Ooh, a villain that needs killing. <laughs> Bloody, despicable to creature, as Ed Spaliers does a great job. I always thought he played Jimmy in Downton Abbey with a certain Jimmy. greasy charm. So it wasn't a big stretch for me that they had cast him. Though I was very curious about his ability to be as terrible as Bonnet. Agreed. He did not disappoint. Hey, here's a fun fact for all of you Downton fans. They are making a Downton Abbey movie. It's being shot at this very moment. And your boy Jimmy is not going to be in it. Well, he's a little busy. He, he's, he's a, a little bit busy. busy. He's a tad busy. Playing with some jewels uh, in a new ring. Uh, but I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little saddened by that. Now that I'm kind of getting on the Spilea's train, like I, I'm, I'm on that train, I Maybe feel Maybe they'll like. mention him. They'll be like, oh, and Jimmy, he went to North Carolina. <laughs> All right. The voicemails. Let's get ready. This is the first voicemail of season oh, one. Yes. So excited. Um, so but- they're brought to you by Care Of, these voicemails. The holiday season is upon us, which means oh my that gosh, you're I always- Oh, my God, I know. You're always on the go. The dinners and the gifts and the kids in school and the parties and anything else you could think of. Yes. Your life's just going crazy, right? Well, Care Of can make you- you know, they can help you take care of yourself this season with personalized vitamin and supplement packets that are perfect for on the go. Uh, it's fun online quiz ask you about your diet, your health goals, your lifestyle choices. It only takes five minutes. I know I did it. It took me literally five minutes. They asked me all these great questions. Boom, boom, boom. They asked me what I wanted to work on, the things that I, if I wanted to work on sleep, if I wanted to work on stress. I took the quiz and within a couple of days, boom, I got these vitamins out my doorstep and it was amazing. Amazing. And for those of you who are soon-to-be moms out there, Care of uh, offers a pre- and postnatal supplements with accompanying research to help mothers and babies stay healthy. So for 25% off of your first month of personal I care of vitamins, please visit TakeCareOf.com and enter OutlanderCast. Again, 25% off of your first month of personalized care of vitamins. Visit TakeCareOf.com and enter the promo code Outlander cast. Hi, Mary Blake. Hope you're having a good day. I just finished listening to the Outlander season four premiere. Um, I would probably give it about three and a half kilts out of five. Um, I really didn't understand. There was a couple of things I didn't understand. Um, the use of 
the Ray Charles version of America the Beautiful. While it's beautiful, I just felt it didn't have a place. Um, secondly, I didn't understand who was killed, but maybe I'll understand that in the next episode. Hope you have a good day. And make sure you guys go and vote. I hope you did. And, um, yeah, bye. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you for calling in. Yeah, we did vote. Uh, We did our civic duty. Hopefully everybody else voted. Thank you very much. And it looked like it was Leslie that was killed. He got his throat throat cut there. So Leslie and Hayes came on the boats. Now they're dead. And, you know, like I said before, you can be a lot of things about about the Ray Charles version here and, and how they used that song. But you cannot be indifferent. I th- I feel like either you love it or you hate it, and Agreed. and I think that's a good thing. Hello from the Highlands of Scotland. It's Kirsten Lang here. Yes, giving you my take in this episode. It's our Hall of Fame caller, Kirsten. Thank you very much. Hello from the Highlands of Scotland. It's Kirsten Lang here, giving you my take in this episode. Isn't it great that Outlander is back? They've bandified the title sequence and are in America. There was an end. For poor Hayes by the hangman's noose, and a beginning for Ian and Rollo. Some swally induced Gallic lamenting, and news of bairns on the way, and decisions to stay. The usual red coated bampots were being coursed, there was jewels to dangle and money to wrangle. Hooray for better wigs that no longer distract, and for Al Fresco Jiggery Pokery, Rumpy Pumpy for Jamie and Claire. But happiness doesn't bide long, as Bawface Bonnet appears. Ed Spielers is scene-stealing his bonnet, and he oozes malevolence and pure sleekness. I bet if you cut him in half, he'd have evil through him like a stick of rock. But hard the bust, the episode isn't perfect. The closing robbery scene for me was ruined by somebody singing America the Beautiful <laughs> from what sounded like the bow of the boat. What? Just no. I'm afraid it distracted too much from the impact of the full drama of the, the scene of the robbery. That's all for me. Cheerio for now. Thank you, Kirsten. I appreciate Alfresco, what you Rumpy Pumpy. Alfresco Rumpy. Continuing to be the Hall of Fame caller that she is. Thank you so much. Hey, guys. It's Kathy from Cleveland. Don't mind my voice. This virus hasn't killed me yet. I mostly love this episode, but couldn't quite bring myself to give it a full five kilts. I'm giving it 4.5 kilts plus a sporin, which in my math is 4.8 kilts. <laughs> my good Stephen Frackin' Bonnet. Yes. Ed Spilliers, and it is pronounced Spilliers, not Spielers. So say we all. With his steely, dispassionate eyes, always thinking what's in it for him. He's one sociopath I'm going to love to hate. Mm -hmm. My bad. I was going to go with Claire taking the rudder of the boat or the prehistoric stone circle. But I've got to go with the new theme music because we're stuck with it for a while. (laughs) I know most people like it, but I don't. It's like Rhea Yarbrough got knocked up by Mumford and Sons, and this was the sorry result. My great, I'm absolutely loving me some John Bell. He was outstanding in the heart-to-heart between mm. Ian and Jamie in the cemetery. We needed to see Ian process that assault, and we need to see this bonding moment between him and his uncle. He still needs all the copays, but this is a good start. One more thing I wanted to point out. Did you see what Jamie was wearing when he went into the tavern? My dad's coat. Yes. <laughs> Guys, and see you next week. Oh, 
Oh, Kathy, you are you are a quick entrance. You, you might be a first ballot Hall of Famer coming up soon. <laughs> that Ray Yarbrough got knocked up by Mumford and Sons. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, all these guys, they called on SpeakPipe, which if, if you go to elevatorcast.com, you can talk directly through your smartphone or your computer. Um, and it's, it does sound great. But here we have, we have two more callers who called in through the, the, the hotline, which is 503-454-6730. Again, you can call us at 503-454-6730. Hi. Uh, this is Nally. My, uh, I wanted to say something about um, Jamie and Claire that uh, there's a reason, you know, that they're both so liberal when it comes to slavery. Uh, number one, of course, obviously Claire is from the 20th century, and her best friend is Joe Abernathy. But as for Jamie, he spent years after prison as an indentured servant, which is very close to being a slave. So, yeah, he doesn't like feeling the feeling of being owned, even if he was owned by a fairly good man and treated pretty well. But still... Not to mention he's worried about all of his former you know, friends, including Murtaugh. So, yeah, yeah, they're both very liberal, no no question about it. And it's good that they are. Anyway, bye. Thank you, Nellie. Thank you for po- uh, pointing that out. That makes sense to me. I get it. Mm-hmm. They're both very liberal. And I I have no problem with that. In fact, like I said, it was a, a good thing. Agreed. It was a good thing. Just written in a way that was that was just a, a tad awkward. Uh, on a macro level for the show. All right, that that looks to be about it. Again, thank you to Care Of for helping us bring those voicemails. Again, go to care of, uh, takecareof.com and enter OutlanderCast, the promo code for 25% off of your first month of personalized Care Of vitamins. Well, Marvin, I think that might be it for us. I, I don't know. Is, is this the uh, is this the end of uh, yeah. our uh, our show? It is. Our first listener feedback. Our first feedback listener episode? feedback. All right, let's do it. Want, you want to close it out? Yes. All right, let's close this bad boy out. Thank you guys so much for those of you who've been taking the time to screenshot your phone while you're watching, while you're listening to this podcast and sharing it in your Instagram stories and Facebook stories. Don't forget to tag us so that we can reshare it and let people see what you're listening to. And don't forget to go to OutlanderCastClanGiveaway.com for the Sandalwood giveaway. And for those of you who are at, at OutlanderCastClan.com, uh, for all the members there, you are getting the $225 valued number six giveaway. And I think that will end on the 13th, I believe. Okay. Yes, it will end on the 13th well, for, spe- for both. Yeah, speaking of our patrons, we want to give a huge shout out to our associate producer levels, Carolyn, Celine, Heather, Jennifer, Linda, Marilyn, Mary, Michelle, and Tr- Patricia. Our co-producer levels, Barbara, Carolyn, Dana, Dieta, Keelan, Lisa, Liz, Marianne, Meredith, Raynal, Sharon, Sue, Tara, Tina, and Tracy. And last but not least, our executive producers, Anne, Bobby, Jen, Peg, and Sarah. Thank you guys so incredibly much for being patrons. And thanks to all of our patrons for making these episodes and Outlander cast possible. Now, another great thing that you can do. 
is you can head on over to your podcast app of choice and leave a written review. This week, we want to thank Katie Bell 71, who discovered Outlander Cast last year and was thrilled to find like-minded Sassanocks to share my love of all <laughs> things Scotland, Outlander, and Jamie Fraser. I have first listened uh, when I was episode 98. A Malcolm. That was her first episode that she got to oh, listen wow. to. How cool was that? Loved every minute of the re- recaps and uh, reviews. She's read the series four times through. I was thrilled to know that we have me as a book reader and Blake's perspective and hot takes as a non-book reader. Mm. That said, we have her at the hilarious and infectious conversations of Dorcas and Bubbies. Dorcas and Bubbies. She, she's had to pull over in her car as she was laughing to the point of tears. She has bought the shirt and smile every time she thinks about it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Katie Bell. And thank you for everyone who else who has taken the time to write a review. This is really how you let other people know about the podcast. So I truly appreciate it. Just tell everybody, you know, by by word of mouth go out there have those conversations again follow us on uh, facebook twitter instagram uh i think we got even got a myspace maybe i, I don't even no. know we probably it's it's we got everything all right we got it's all outlander cast <laughs> even on youtube you can go to outlander cast uh and, and remember if you want to become a, a, an official member of the bonus clan go to outlandercastclan.com and check out the amazing stuff that we have there in that amazing community just all all the amazings all the amazings all the amazings all the outstandings and amazings well for now <laughs> lasses and lads my name's Mary Larson this, this is Blake and you've been listening to Outlander Cast <laughs>